Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you along. It is election day in the state of Mississippi. If you haven't voted yet, you've still got three hours and 54 minutes to get it done. Polls close at 7 o'clock. You have to be in line by 7 o'clock. If you are in line to vote by 7 o'clock, you must be allowed to cast your ballot on this 5th of November. Again, election day in the state of Mississippi. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We are glad to have you along for the ride. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for joining us. What's up, Bork? Not a whole lot on a Tuesday. Yeah? I'd say there's a lot going on on a Tuesday Actually, in yeah, looking at our content lineup, there's a ton going on right now. Uh, a lot going on in Mississippi, a lot going on outside the state of Mississippi. The college basketball season begins tonight. That includes Mississippi State hosting FIU. You have number one versus number two and number three versus number four. Not in that order. It's three versus four and then one versus two tonight at Madison Square Garden. The first edition of the college football playoff poll comes out. Oh, how different it feels than it felt just five years ago. I like right, it better Brian? this hey, just a little different. Just a touch. Gracious. So, Say it again, Happy Borky. birthday. Do what? Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Are you 40 yet? I am 39 years old today. One year from today, we will be Close. celebrating my 40th birthday. I so, we will be. On a message board I'm on, we were talking about that cameo service that Borky talked about earlier. The and best said, present this- idea ever. So there, he he said, "Man, this would be great for the rebel fan in your life." And buddy, I looked at it, and if your birthday had been seven days from now, Hunter Henry would have been wishing you a happy birthday. I don't remember this story. Was I here when we did this? I believe so. We talked. Yeah, about you were. Um, Jan from the office that had done a video for Michael. Yeah, it's a it's a service called Cameo, and there's a bunch of celebrities on there. Uh, my list was pretty thin. It's grown a lot since then, and you can. Yeah. Each celebrity commands a certain price. Uh, I will not say what Melora Hardman's price was, but it wasn't all that bad, and you can type in a message that you want them to record for somebody. So my wife is the biggest Office fan on the planet. I mean, she watches it every single day. I got a cast member of The Office because of this service to wish her a happy birthday, and she sang a song from the show. It was perfect. I mean, it was a minute and 30-second long video and it was the best present she's ever received, and I cannot top it. But it's called Cameo. And so, like, okay. Hunter Henry's on there and stuff. You've got athletes and celebrities yeah. and musicians. 
Um, it was only it was only going to be forty bucks to get Hunter Henry, and buddy, I was going to spend that forty dollars. I, I I saw that link. And then I saw, I was like, when is Richard's birthday? And I went to Facebook, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me that it's tomorrow. Come on. Uh, oh, well. Oh, Maybe well. next year. Was November 12th the day of the Hunter Henry heave thing? Uh, no, you just, the, there's a the time seven. window that... Yeah, they had, they had to have seven days to do it. And I was like, oh, ah, what could you do? Well, that would have been nice of Hunter Henry to uh, wish me a happy birthday. But yeah. my wife and kids did. Um... Jane and Francis took me to breakfast this morning, and uh, then I went to uh, lunch with my mom and uh, my wife and Francis and uh, in-laws, and it's been a good day. Beautiful outside. Yeah, just another day. Uh, you know, Obi's birthday is tomorrow. My son's birthday is tomorrow. He'll be seven. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. And it's the best thing that's ever happened because it has kind of marginalized my birthday. Not that my family doesn't still wish me a happy birthday and everybody's kind, but thankfully, nobody makes a big deal out of it, and we just kind of focus on his birthday. He's going to be really excited about his present, too. How old will he be? He will be seven tomorrow. Is he listening? Can we say what the present is? Well, I, I don't think he is, but Obi started last week uh, doing some little golf lessons after school. He's playing flag uh, football, okay. and he plays in a little Sunday afternoon baseball league, but he started taking golf lessons, and so he is on his way to that, so I guess there's a possibility that he is in the car right now, so I'll wait and tell you tomorrow what he got for his birthday. How about that? Okay. That'll work. Uh, C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. You can hit us up on the C Spire text line. We would love for you to do that. This fall, you deserve a change. That's why C Spire is helping you trade up and experience the best new phone for yourself. Get yours starting as low as $199 with trade-in for a limited time. C Spire, customer inspired. You can also tweet the show. At uh, Sports Talk M I S S. Rippy, what's up? Not much. You soaked in a little basketball last night, a little exhibition basketball at the Pavilion with Ole Miss and Mississippi College. How'd that go? Honestly, it was pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, KJ Buffin was pretty good offensively, but other than that, it was Ole Miss playing a D2 team. I don't think they had much issue with Mississippi College's length on the perimeter. <laughs> Is there anything you saw that made you go, oh? Not a whole lot. They don't share the ball very well yet. Like you can tell, it's a bunch of new guys kind of playing together for the first time. They really, really struggled offensively, and I think they turned it over twenty times. But I mean, Buffin looks bigger and stronger. I thought he was probably mostly the story there night. They're gonna. They look like a different team, as I've kind of said in the past. They'll have a a lot more flexibility in like the number of lineups and type of lineups they run out there, particularly in the front court. So it'll be definitely a different looking team that plays differently than you saw a year ago. They are without Blake Henson for the first couple of weeks or so of the season is there any timeline ho- on that hoping he's cleared for contact november 16th i believe kermit davis said last night okay so that would be probably returning after the memphis game or i would imagine would be be at least game? a week or something okay. I, I don't he didn't really specify or go beyond that i don't think they're 100 percent positive that will end up being the case but they said that was the hope and it sounded like they would regroup from there once that actually happened all right. You've got a uh, bunch of basketball coming up tonight on the opening night of the college basketball season. I mentioned it, Madison Square Garden. Um, game one, Kansas ranked third in the country against Duke, ranked fourth in the country. 
The nightcap is Kentucky, who is ranked second against Michigan State, who is the number one ranked team in the country going into the season. Again, those are happening at the Garden tonight. And in between the two games, you will have the release of the college football playoff. I've told you who I think, what I think the top five is going to be. And I think I'm going to stand by that. I've got uh, LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Penn State 4, Alabama 5. That's just my prediction. We'll see if it turns out to be that way. What, what do you guys think the top five is going to be? Hey, Dad? LSU, I don't know if this is in order or not, but LSU, Clemson. You think Clemson 2? Ohio State. No, I don't know that I'm in order here. I'm just trying to come up with the teams. LSU, Clemson, Ohio State. I think Alabama will be fourth. Okay. So LSU, I think I think it'll be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Bama. That's my top four in order. Borky? For some reason, I think they're going to drop a one versus two on us. I don't know why. I've just seen enough media people say that Alabama is going to be somewhere around one or two or at worst three for me to not believe there's some merit to it. And maybe so you it'll guys add think some I'm great crazy drama, for but... thinking Alabama's five. I don't think you're crazy. I think that is exactly what it should be. Rippy, what do you think top four is? I don't know. Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, somewhere in that in order. Okay, so same four teams. So I'm the only one that's putting Penn State in the top four. Why should Alabama be ahead of Penn State right now? Why should Clemson be ahead of Penn State right now? Because it's October. Yeah. It's November 5th, but... Uh, November 5th, so you get what I'm saying. Come on, it's my birthday, remember? Happy birthday. Yeah, thanks. Where's your I voted sticker? Post it on social media because your vote doesn't count if you don't. Well, I did vote, but I passed on the sticker. Okay. I don't know, maybe I stuck it in my pocket, I don't know. Not a big sticker guy. Um, So we'll see. You had Monday Night Football last night. It was a game for a while, and then it wasn't a game. Cowboys pull away late. They outscore the Giants 21-3 to in the fourth quarter. They win 37-18. to Hope you loaded up on the Cowboys last night for your Pearl River Resort pick of the day. They were laying 6.5, and, and it turned out to be an easy cover, although it was in question for quite a while, actually. Um, then the overhit on uh, that freak, what was it, a fumble return for a touchdown? Something like that at the end of the game. I had turned it off by the time... Uh, the over hit, but uh, so yesterday, Wait, I thought the over was fifty. No, it was like forty six and a half or something. Oh, it was forty eight like and a half. Because we talked about this yesterday, we did, and they were they were at forty eight. I get because I I I watched the end of it when I got home from the thing, and I think the score is like thirty to eighteen. And by my math, that equals 48. It does. Well, and, and we were playing with different number combinations at the very end of the show yesterday. And I was saying 3110, that's not a cover. 3117, that doesn't hit the over. Anything north of that does. Uh, and so you ended up with that. So yeah, it was 40, I think it was 48 and a half. I don't know where it closed, but that's where it was at the end of the show yesterday. Um, so the Cowboys cover and the over hits. What's coming up this afternoon? We will uh, talk about hoops, which is coming up tonight. Mississippi State with their season opener. Um, we'll get to a whole lot of other stuff. Luke Johnson will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. He is back inside the United States. We look forward to visiting with him. Some NFL stuff coming up, power rankings, and a whole lot more. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you.
Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Got the whole crew this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Anything that stood out last night uh, in that game that's worth talking about at all? Dak Prescott throws three touchdown passes. I guess maybe that's newsworthy. He was 22 of 35 for 257 with three touchdowns and a pick. Ezekiel Elliott ran for 139. Uh, Daniel Jones, 26 of 41, 210, a touchdown and a pick. Saquon Barkley had 67 yards on six carries. How does that guy only get... I'm sorry, that's receiving. He had six catches for 67 yards, 14 carries for 28 yards. Ooh. Think they've got offensive line issues in New York? Yeah, at least they drafted Eli Apple instead of Laramie Tunsil, though. He had a cat run wild. Yeah, that was the story of the night. And Kevin Harlan's call... Um, I could not get good enough audio quality. I'll keep looking for it. Maybe we can play it on the show. He is just the best radio play-by-play guy that does national games. He immediately went into like giving play-by-play like- of the cat running on the field, and he threw a sponsor read in there for whoever bought the red zone for that game. I mean, just incredible. Yeah. I'll find it. He, uh- I-, I will find it. He's done like play-by-play of a streaker on the field in the past as well. Yeah, this guy's drunk, but there he goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's had a couple of really good one of those, and the like good. I don't even know the right word to use it. Good calls of you know naked people and felines. <laughs> but he's like over the top radio voice too. Kevin Harlan is. Oh yeah. Like it's it's like full on big radio voice. He, he, I found he, it he if you want to hear it. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely, I want to hear it. Kevin Harlan on the Westwood One Radio Network. Monday Night Football, a cat is loose on the field. He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW, people who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field. And the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And the cat is elusive. Kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look at, they're trying to corner him. And they got him in the end zone. There are state troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands. And the fans are running for their line. Now it goes back on the field again. And it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel. And it runs up the tunnel, and that's how it ends. I just love mixing in the sponsor read during the cat on the field. Yeah, nice, uh, nice little promo. You just send that to them and say, "Hey, a little bonus for you. Thanks for uh, thanks for being with us." All right, so hoops tonight. Hey, Dad, you get uh, first look at Mississippi State hosting FIU. Mississippi State's women had an exhibition game last night. Actually, closer, I think, than a lot of people thought it would be at halftime when they were up what forty three, forty one at the half. Yeah, only up two at the half, and then uh, really turned it around there in the second half and played more like the team you would expect to see when the regular season starts up on uh, Saturday. What are you looking for tonight? I'm looking to see how they, you know, how they look at the one, you know, with Tyson Carter there, Iverson Molinar backing him up. Um want to see, you know, Reggie Perry, what has he added to his game? Does he look more like a complete player? Uh, you know, or, or and can he still be the the power forward and that that tough you know guy who's playing inside but show off some 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 range which i know is what you know when he was at the nba combine they told him hey we want to see you more as a shooter you know that's a that's a delicate balance obviously um 
And then beyond that, I just want to see that you know how this team looks and how they're going to to play uh, going forward into this season. Because I, I feel like it's just a uh, what's the right word for it? I don't. After last season, I think there's a lot of hope that the, the program is sort of back on the kind of terms where they can be considered a, a tournament team, sort of year in and year out, or at least be in the, in the mix for that. So there's uh, trepidation might be the right word, a little bit of the unknown because you lose Coindario Weatherspoon and you lose Eric Coleman and you lose uh, Lamar Peters, and you got to replace those guys and Nick Weatherspoon out for these first ten games. So I want to see what this team looks like. You know, how do they play together? You know, who are the role players? Who's coming off the bench? What's the rotation like? Of course, the rotation that we see tonight and we see for the next nine, ten games will not be the same rotation we see when Nick Weatherspoon comes back. So they got to they got to figure that out. But right. a, lot, a lot of questions about this team. But I think there's a lot of talent too as well. One of the things that we talked about a year ago with Mississippi State, I mean, that was that was an NCAA tournament team who was comfortably in for most of the season, and yet the fans never really came back. I mean, it was it was full for the the Saturday game that was on CBS when they hosted Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of decent crowds, and and I'm just saying decent down the stretch. Is this the year that that Mississippi State basketball fans come back? And if not, what are they waiting on? That's a good question, and I'm sure Ben Hallen would like to know the answer to it more than anybody else. I think last year, you know, they were so good in the non-conference, and then they started off conference play 0-2. They lost to South Carolina, who, if you remember, was the worst team in non-conference play a season ago. So it looked like a really bad loss at the at the beginning. And then... Uh, they lost Ole Miss at home, and I think a lot of people, the air just sort of came out of the balloon. And I've talked about this on this show, and I've talked about it on the podcast, that with Ben Hallen, there's just not really that uh, that signature win that draws everybody in and makes, you know, sort of we sort of want to rally around. So if he can get that this year, he's got an opportunity in non-conference play in that Myrtle Beach Invitational. Uh, if he can win his first game, he'll likely be playing Villanova in the, uh, in the second round, so that could be one. Or, or you know, just to get... A win that everybody just starts getting behind. As far as, you know, are they ever going to come back? I think women's basketball plays a large role in that. People just can't make it to Starkville for, you know, two two games a week. You know, they're just not going to. But that said, there's enough people in this area, you think, that have a solid five, 6,000 people for every game. Um, I don't know if, if, the, if men's basketball is ever going to really get back to the old days here at Mississippi State, but I think they can have some pretty uh, solid support if the team is good this year. Um. You mentioned the Myrtle Beach Invitational. So Mississippi State schedule, they open tonight with FIU. On Friday, they will play Sam Houston State. And that's the Friday night before an open date, not the Friday night before a home game. So you probably don't get the bump that you might have gotten otherwise from extra people being in town. Uh, ULM next Thursday, so a week from this Thursday. And then on November 17th, that's a Sunday, they will host... New Orleans. All four of those are in Starkville. Mm-hmm. Then they go to Myrtle Beach. Game one is against Tulane. If they beat Tulane, they will play the winner of Villanova or Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that a second ago. They'll play um, yeah. a relatively early game both of those days. Let's see, a one thirty Eastern time game on the first day of the tournament. Um and then could play, oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter what time the game's yeah. on. <laughs> the, the, the other side of the bracket, Ohio, the Bobcats, Baylor, the Utah Utes, and Coastal Carolina. 
and I guess yeah. Coastal Carolina is the host of the tournament there in uh, in Myrtle Beach, Conway, right. South Carolina. Right. It's a pretty solid so, field, you know. Chance to I, I, there's not there's not a marquee game in this. There's not a game where you just wow, wow look at that. But there's enough good games in there that state's net ranking, assuming they take care of their business, should be right where it was a season ago and keep them in, in contention for an NCAA tournament spot, assuming they win the games they should win. Yeah, and if you assume chalk in this tournament, you're probably getting Villanova-Mississippi State on day two. You're also getting Baylor against Utah on day two, again, assuming no upsets. And then the winners of those two games will meet, and that's a pretty good opportunity for somebody to come away with a couple of quality wins uh, early in the season. So after uh, after that, Mississippi State comes back home. They'll play Louisiana Tech. They go to New Jersey to play Kansas State this year. Uh, back home for a game against Radford. They will play New Mexico State on Sunday, December 22nd. Mm-hmm. Wasn't New Mexico State good last year? They were in the NCAA tournament. They, they had Auburn on the ropes and lost to them in the uh, first round. That's right. Yeah. That's that, right. that game's in Jackson, and that should be... Nick Weatherspoon's first game back. Okay. Uh, let's see what the final record was for New Mexico State. They went thirty and five last year. Yeah, they're a good team. Yeah. Whew. Fifteen one, uh, fifteen and one in the conference. So uh, we'll see. They uh, play in the Western Athletic Conference. So a WAC team meeting Mississippi State in Jackson. That is on uh, December 22nd. They close things out in non-league play with Kent State uh, at home on Monday night, December 30th. Then uh, jump into league play with Auburn and Alabama uh, at home and then on the road to start things off. Real quick, some super talk business here. With all the election day coverage, if you're in the Golden Triangle and you want to listen to the game tonight, you need to turn to 96.1 WLZA. WKBB 100.9 will be covering uh, Super Talk's election coverage. So if you want to hear Neil Price and Richard Williams, turn it to 96.1 up here in the Golden Triangle. Sports Talk Mississippi. Luke Johnson will join us when we come back. Southern Miss was off last weekend. They uh, get set for a, uh, a big one with UAB, who is coming off a loss on Saturday in Hattiesburg. We'll talk with Luke, find out a little bit about his trip as well uh, when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, the Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Payrates.com and go with the home team. This almost feels like a blast from the past. It's been about a month since we've talked to Luke Johnson. He's co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel, and online at supertalk.fm. Has been out of the country, has returned safely. Luke, I hope you had a good trip. It was excellent, guys. I missed you. I missed uh, talking to you guys. I missed talking to Southern Miss Sports, but uh it was really good. This is uh, this relates to sports. You will find this very in- intriguing. I was in I was in West India, and uh, I was at this this house, a midweek prayer gathering, and they had uh, I was hanging out, and we ate food after the meeting. And a guy walks in, and this is in a total like random village, just on the interior, and he's wearing a Dallas Clark Indianapolis Colts jersey. I, I was I just laughed out loud. <laughs> of all the things to wear, the uh, the NFL has uh, it, it reaches far and wide. I suppose. Absolutely, it was it was it was hilarious. So, 
I'll send you guys a picture of that. But I, I thought of y'all as soon as I saw that. I said, Dallas Clark has a fan um, somewhere in the heart of India. Anyway, it was a great trip. Do um, Did you get to see some cool stuff along the way? I did. Um, got to uh, flying out, out east. Always when you take that flight, you get to see the range that Mount Everest is in. Um, so you get, I don't know necessarily if I saw the peak, but uh, you, you see that range in, in North Nepal. And uh, went, went to a place um, up in northwest India. It's really interesting. It's a, it's a lake, and they kind of revere nature there. And so they you, you can't fish, but they have carp. And I, all I can say is they were literally like walking on each other, these, these carp. Uh, it was thousands of fish all together. You throw them some, some they give you a little seed to throw, throw them, and you throw it. And they just school, and I've never seen anything like it. But a great trip. Got a lot of good work done. I'm working with some of the guys that that uh, we partner with over there, so just an outstanding trip. Glad to be back. Ate a Chick Fil A sandwich this week, so feeling good. Did you see go. any tigers? No, but uh, one of my friends saw some tiger prints. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to bring you a, a picture back of me with a tiger, but uh, the, the legend lives on about snow leopards and other hairy beasts in the mountains. Did you see snow while you were there? Say that again. Did you see snow? Did you go high enough in the mountains for that? Uh, we saw it. We weren't able to go up that high, but we did see it. So you didn't build a snowman? I didn't build a snow. I did not, and I did not meet the abominable snowman. He's still looking for him. Well, okay, maybe uh, maybe next time. Let's uh, let's switch gears and talk some uh, some football. Southern Miss. When we last saw them in Houston, Texas, and kind of a ho hum win against Rice. Uh, not that you won't take a win like that, but you know it was. Pretty pretty calm. Uh, the game before that, obviously the road trip to Louisiana Tech where things just did not go well at all. An open date, chance to heal up a little bit, get ready for the stretch run that begins this Saturday. UAB, Texas, San Antonio, Western Kentucky, and then Florida Atlantic. So sitting at 5-3 and three right now, don't look too far ahead. This is a, uh, a game against UAB that has been a rivalry game for a long time. It has had some weird outcomes along the way. You've got UAB coming off a loss on the road to Tennessee, where it really wasn't all that close. They, they score a late touchdown. And when you look at UAB's record this year, Luke, obviously they've got a bunch of wins, but they don't have a win against anybody, at least going into this past weekend, that had more than two wins all season. So it's kind of hard to know exactly what you're dealing with. It is. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns for UAB, particularly with their quarterback. Tyler Johnson III was knocked out. Dylan Hopkins came in. Uh, we talked on the Eagle Hour today with David Crane, who's the uh, the voice of the Blazers. And, um, you know, Johnson's status is, is uncertain. They are getting back Spencer Brown, who's an all-conference running back. He's been out since early October. Uh, he's been out about a month and uh, with an ankle injury. He's coming back. He really hasn't been what he's been uh, his first two years at UAB, but he's always a dangerous running back and he's always uh, on, on the old conference team. Yeah, you, you talk about that, but UAB is a team that um, Southern Miss fans, uh, during the, really the first eight meetings, this is the 17th meeting, Eagles went 8-0 against them and you look up and you feel good about yourself, but UAB's won the last seven out of eight meetings against Southern Miss. Hmm. You know, for me as a former player, it's kind of head-scratching, but it's always a good game. Uh, Bill Clark, uh, of course, has brought, brought them back from the dead, and they've, they've done extremely well. So going into this game specifically, you don't know what the quarterback's uh, going to be. And Johnson's a guy 
Here's an interesting uh, statistic for him. He's fourth in the country on deep passing yards. So when you look at targets over 20 yards, he's fourth nationally. He's behind uh, the, the kid at SMU and, and Jalen Hurts and, and the UCF quarterback. So he's a guy that throws the deep ball really well, which if you're a Southern Miss fan, um, you know you're, you, that gives you pause and some concern because of how much they've given up in the passing game this year. So you don't know what you're going to get from the – from the quarterback, if they start Hopkins, then maybe uh, you know Tim Billings can put some more pressure on. Uh, but it's a UAB team that, like like you said, has some wins, but not very many notable ones. How important is this game for Southern Miss? Sitting there at five and three, trying to pick their sixth win of the year, up, stay within shouting distance at the top of the uh, of the conference as well. Well, you got to win if you if you want a chance to win the West. You got to win out, and you're looking at what Louisiana Tech does. Um, Louisiana Tech has, has a murderer's row next. They got North Texas, Marshall, and UAB. So, um, you, you gotta win out and you gotta hope that La Tech, uh, loses too, which is, is a long shot, but from here on out, it's one game at a time. Um, there's no reason why the Eagles shouldn't win at least three out of these last four, depending on what FAU does, depending on what happens, happens with the, you know, if, if Kiffin, if there's speculation that if Kiffin goes somewhere else, you might catch FAU on a downturn, but, uh, you got to run the table. Um, you, you you feel like though I, I told you guys if, if this team didn't win eight wins, getting get eight wins this season, uh, you felt like it was an utter disappointment. So uh, it, it's a must win. It's at home. Um, it is paired against uh, another game of, of notoriety <laughs> at two thirty. Uh, but there's you know it's an afternoon game at the Rock against UAB. It should be a good crowd. But it's a must win uh, if you have any hope in the West. Where's Southern Miss in terms of health right now? I know we've we've kind of joked about the fact that they give no injury news, but just kind of based on what you know, are, are they reasonably healthy? Yeah, reasonably. Terensky Mosley was back last week. He only got one snap, so you wonder, um, you know, what what percentage? I, I believe they were just holding him back. Uh, actually, two weeks ago against Rice, but supposedly he's back, so that gives Southern Miss, um, you know, three options, four options out of the backfield. Uh, that, that maybe can mean that Haydax man, Michael Harris, um, you know, can can get him maybe in a slot or get him in open space. Uh, Perkins and, and Mosley also back there. Um, but apart from there, it, it should be all you know, all systems go. And, and like you said, we don't get even a an iota of information out on uh, on injury stuff. Um, but the biggest return would be Travinsky Mosley, and hopefully he's pretty close to 100. percent Luke Johnson on your radio. Uh, he is co-host of the Eagle Hour uh, there in uh, Hattiesburg on Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel, and available on supertalk.fm. Let's switch gears for a second. Uh, Southern Miss opens its basketball season tonight against Delta State. Tip-off at uh, 7 o'clock at Reed Green Coliseum. And then Saturday they will uh, go to Mobile for the uh, first of one, two, three, four, f- uh, three games in a row. On the uh, on the road. So, what do we need to know about Southern Miss basketball? Extremely new, <laughs> underlying, bold caps, italicized, uh, new. Uh, fifth uh, ties for fifth in the nation with newcomers. Eleven new guys um, on this squad. Uh, you know, you look at the exhibition against Mississippi College. You only win, I think, by like six points. Actually, five points, seventy-three, sixty-eight. Uh, a whole new uh, backcourt. You, you lose Edwards. Uh, you lose your point guard. Harper Baker's uh, good down low. Um, he's a returner. Ladavius Strain, who's the sixth man of the year. Uh, if he would have, if he would have had uh, like three more attempts, he would have been top five in in the country in uh, three point percentage. 
Um, so Drain's a, a starter now. Gabe Watson um, is your your point guard. You got a little more height um, on the edge. A kid they're really excited about is is Arter Kanasuk. Uh, I always always have a hard time pronouncing his name, but he's he's a freshman, six seven, two fifteen from Estonia, and uh, he had a pretty good game. Um, and got some some minutes in uh, against Mississippi College. Uh, a kid that they're they're looking to come along is Angel Smith. He was a top twenty recruit out of the state of Florida. Six five, uh, run the three, run the four, um, and then they got Jay Mal- uh, Malone is a is a sophomore. Uh, he had a nice, I think he had like fourteen points against Mississippi College. He'll be a guard. So just a lot of new faces, and you know you you look at uh, new faces, and you look at you know this schedule. November uh, until about November fifteenth, uh, it'll be some some warm up games. But then you hit Iowa State, Gonzaga. You may play North Carolina down in the Bahamas. You may play Seton Hall or Oregon. Uh, then you got a date with Texas Tech in December, all before you hit conference play. So they're going to be thrown in the fire, and they're going to be thrown into a big fire. Uh, but Jay Ladder's excited, and uh, it's just one of those things. you, you got four games uh, to kind of get your guys gelling before you hit some really steep competition. Yeah, the, the field there for Battle for Atlantis this year is absolutely ridiculous. It's going to be some good basketball played uh, down in the Bahamas. Luke, glad you made it back safely. Good to have you back in the uh, in the mix here on Sports Talk Mississippi, and we will talk to you soon, my friend. Hi, guys. Have a great day. That is Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We're back after this with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Going to be a part of the show. You can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. At C Spire Business, they think your organization deserves more than a one-size-fits-all phone system. That's why they work with you to build a voiceover IP solution perfect for your needs. Take advantage of a limited-time offer and learn more at cspire.com slash business. All right, Borky, what is the news today that we've got to get to from the NFL? Yeah, the biggest story of the day so far, and it kind of wasn't unexpected, but Cam Newton has been placed on IR. He is out for the year for the Panthers. And this comes a few days after a report came out that Uh, His ankle injury was not healing like at all, but it also doesn't require surgery. It was a really bizarre report, but uh, basically his injury just wasn't healing. He was doing the rehab, doing it right, and it just wasn't working. So now Cam Newton's out for the year. And that division looks wide open for the Saints, but yet they still beat Tennessee. Uh, They've beaten Tampa. They've beaten Jacksonville. They won in Houston without him. So people are calling it a big loss today, and I just uh, don't know if it really is one. So he aggravated the Lisfranc injury that he originally suffered in the preseason uh, in a Week 2 loss against Tampa Bay. He has not improved since then. Uh, Marty Herney who is the GM for the Panthers, said for the past seven weeks, Cam has diligently followed a program of rest and rehab, and still is experiencing pain in his foot. He saw two foot specialists last week who agreed that he should continue that path prescribed by the team's medical staff, and that it likely will take significant time for the injury to fully heal. So still no surgery on the horizon. He's just got to be patient and give it time. 
And I guess the next question is, if the Panthers keep winning and make the playoffs with Kyle Allen, what's Cam Newton's future? Rippy? I mean, he'll get a starting job somewhere else, I would think, because I don't think... Like there, when's the last time you've had an MVP candidate be moved on from an or an MVP be moved on from by one franchise and not given a second shot? I mean, Joe Flacco got a second shot at a starting job, so there'll be work for him. I don't know where may that be. It'll probably be easier to tell in February once the coaching or January, I guess, whenever the coaching carousel kind of settles. But I mean, does. Tampa move on from Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians try another kind of interesting project. Um, this season, um, Cam Newton making a base salary of sixteen point two million, and he gets four and a half million of his signing bonus. He is due eighteen point six million next year. Um. And then becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2021. I mean, I guess Carolina, if they wanted to, could cut him. So he's in year four of a five-year, $103 million contract. Maybe you could get something out of him for that one season if you have a team that that just needs a quarterback right away. Um, even though Miami's tanking, let's just pretend now that they've won a game that they don't get to a, would Miami consider making a run at Cam Newton? They've got a bunch of draft picks to build a roster around a quarterback and, you know, flash in the pan, you use some of the capital that you've acquired to get a quarterback that you know is is capable in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, the talent there is undeniable, but... Cam Newton is 30 years old. He's got nine years of experience in the NFL. He's dealt with injuries the last few seasons. When he is on and locked in and engaged and healthy, he's still really, really good. But he hasn't been consistently healthy. It's the way he plays that kind of doesn't allow for him to remain healthy almost. He gets officiated differently than every other quarterback as well. He takes more hits than most of them do, and part of it is because he runs differently than most of them. But Well, he looks like the Jolly Green Giant, too. I mean, it's hard to... Sometimes it's hard for a guy that is that much of a mountain of a man, like Cam Newton is, to get the benefit of the doubt. Because he's bigger than everybody else. It's not fair. It's just the truth, though. He is a big dude, though. What, 6'5", 250, 260? That shoulder did look healthy before he got injured again. Yeah. 6'5", 245. In comparison, Ben Roethlisberger, 6'5", 241. Newton, a much better athlete than Roethlisberger. Brady, 6'4", 225. Opposite end of the spectrum, Russell Wilson at 5'11", 206. Tough break for uh, Cam Newton. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you.
Sports Talk Mississippi 4 o'clock hour with you on this Tuesday edition of the show. It's brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Thinking about building a house in the country. That's a little bit different, you know, than if you just want to build it in a neighborhood where all the houses kind of look the same and all the loans that it takes to get houses like that look the same. Uh, you need maybe a not exactly one size fits all loan for a house that you want to build, or maybe you're going to buy a small piece of property um, and then build a house on it. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help with that. They specialize in land and loans that are a little bit different including building a house that's out in the country or buying a piece of recreational property. If you're in North Mississippi, give them a call. You can find their phone number or their branch locations online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you. So, The Athletic dropped out or dropped this news last night. Borky has qualified it as a bombshell. How about this story? According to The Athletic, since the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, have been so poorly received in Los Angeles, they are considering a move to London. The NFL concluded its annual four-game London series on Sunday in front of a robust, energetic crowd of 83,000 at Wembley Stadium. In all, more than 286,000 fans packed Wembley and Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this year as the league showcased its brand to European fans. 17th straight year that the NFL has played games in London. I did not realize that. Did you guys realize it had been going that long that the... NFL has been playing games in London in the regular season? Yeah. Did not know that. There you go. 17? Over the course of 17 years, this is according to The Athletic. So it's not 17 straight. It marked the 17th straight year the NFL has played games in London. From the story. More than 2 million fans have bought tickets, while merchandise sales and television ratings continue to surge. There's a big fan base, a ready-made venue, the necessary political support, and more than enough local corporate sponsorship entities to support a permanent team in the capital city of England. The Athletic has learned through NFL sources that the possibility of the Chargers moving to London has been broached among some league personnel. Also learned that while the team is fully committed to Los Angeles, where it will move into the new $4.5 billion stadium with the Rams next year, the Chargers would at least listen if the NFL pro- approached them about London as a possible option. And finally, the Athletic says it has learned that the NFL owners are concerned enough about the Chargers situation in L.A., where a crowded sports market and the pres- uh, pres- uh, presence of the more established Rams has resulted in a tepid embracement of the Chargers, they would provide the necessary support for a relocation to London if the Chargers choose to pursue it. How about that? So, just a quick side note, this didn't really sound right to me. They have started playing regular season games in 07, so I imagine the next five years, like the previous five years, probably preseason games. Do what now? The first year they started appear it appears according to the internet, which everything is true on, <laughs> that in two thousand seven was the first time they played a regular season game there. 
Uh, okay. I imagine preseason. I don't know. I was surprised by that number anyway. But yeah. if he, you saw the Chargers owner re- retort to this, it was fairly strong. What did he say? This is effing BS. We are staying here. This is our home. We plan to be here for a long time. That doesn't make the story untrue. But if like I feel like if it were actually true, like he wouldn't have maybe not come out quite as strong. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, that throws the layer into this. It might be a situation where the NFL is trying to get them to consider it because it's gone so poorly in L.A. I mean, you've got the the Chargers players now openly complaining about playing 16 road games. Well, 99% of their stadium on Sunday against the the Packers were wearing green. And cheese on their heads. Yeah. Last year, I believe... I believe you had the, uh, I think it was before the Saturday, December game against the Ravens, um, where Lamar Jackson, like, ran all over them. They had a huge win. I'm pretty sure that was the week it came out that they were practicing crowd noise drills in practice for a game there. For a home game. Yeah. For a home game. Wow. Hmm. So, um, see, I, that's why I think this might be, because the owner is the one that, made the move, right? And the move's kind of ridiculed because they at least had a fan base in San Diego and at some point that stadium is getting renovated. It's now just focused on San Diego State, but they would have gotten at least an updated stadium there. So they moved to LA. They play in this tiny little soccer stadium. They have zero fans there. They're going to move to a bigger venue where they will just be more outnumbered and they will be the city's second team. So it might be an owner reluctant to admit that he made a really bad decision and the NFL trying to bail him out. That's what this reads like to me. As the NFL is saying, hey, look, we've got this. There's a fan base there. You'd be the only show in town. We've wanted to do it for a while. We'll pay whatever fee it is to, to move cities. You know, We'll work it out to where you don't have to pay that again. Please consider doing this because you being in, being in L.A. is a disaster. The problem is, if in London, they aren't the only show in town. They would be the second most popular sport in town. Ah, behind, whatever. Behind the Premier League. I mean, imagine if the Premier League decided, hey, we're, just, we're doing great in America, let's open a team here and put it in Dallas. I mean, is that ever going to outdraw the Cowboys? No. If you put yeah, it but, in New York City, it would be hold really... Hold on now. But, but, but hold on. That, that example doesn't ha- really hold water because the Premier League has not been playing games in the United States for the last two decades. Now they play exhibition games. They would, n- they would never. I mean, yeah. you, when you look at the, the way the, the NFL schedules it over there, they play mainly during the international break. If you play, if if there's a game in London, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, when this game is going on, it's it. No one's watching it. I don't think. I think if you put a Premier League team in New York City, it would have a massive fan base and following. I disagree. Because you, you got to find new fans. You know, people who have been grown up fans of their team. Well, but, but, but again, here's the thing. They've already floated the test balloon, and they've been doing it for almost two decades with, okay, some preseason games that weren't very well attended, and then, okay, let's put some regular season games, and at first it was a novelty, and now it's become a regular thing. I, I still feel like it's eight, a novelty. But but there's a, I mean they're playing four games a year there and they've done that for the last five years and, and they're playing them mainly on weekends where the Premier League is off. Okay. I I, I just feel like you're underselling the a brand couple weeks power ago you, you were asking why, why one game was at night and one game was at noon. 
the week that the game was at night was the week there was Premier League soccer. The week that they were playing at noon was the international break. There were no games that day, so you could you weren't going up against the big games over there that day. Okay, so schedule the games that way and look at the schedule when you build the schedule for a, a, a London NFL team. Well, well, that's great, but there's like six teams in London. You're never going to have a window, hardly ever, where they're not, where one of them is not playing. There are also how many people in London? Well, fewer than there are in New York, Houston, and L.A. You sure about that? I mean, I'm willing to look. London... The article Metro also population is 14.2 million. It's a lot of people. I think it can work. It's not as far of a plane ride as you think to the East Coast either. If they have back-to-back road games, they can stay on the East Coast. Like I think logistically fine. I think there's enough fans there, too. I mean, they've been doing it for 12 years. They have like teams like Jacksonville and like that go basically every year. The they article had successful. some uh, numbers to back that up, so I don't know what how they get this number, but they said there are 5 million NFL fans in the United Kingdom, four of which would be described as avid fans. Uh, television viewership, including the Red Zone Channel, is up 32% from last year. Uh, Sky Sports, the local TV station, or whatever you want to call it, that covers the NFL, their ratings have doubled. Their social media followers, United Kingdom, NFL Uh, is up 16%. 24 million people in the United Kingdom watched NFL programming last year. I I mean, it is there. It may not be to the level of soccer, but, I mean, these are millions of people that consume NFL football in that massive market. It's there for them. It's better than what the Chargers are doing in L.A. Metro population of London... 14,187,146. 14,187,146. That was as of 2016. In terms of American cities with a larger metro population, Los Angeles has 18.7 million. New York has 23.5 million. That's it. So you've only got two United States city metro areas with more people than London. And one of those is looking to get rid of an NFL team because they can't support it. Or choose not to. There was only one NFL team in London or in Los Angeles. You look at the Chargers. They're getting pretty good. Or the Rams. They're getting pretty good support. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Ceasefire tax line, Steve-O. If the Chargers did move to London... Would they change their name? Maybe the Light Brigade, you know, the Chargers of the Light Brigade? Uh, Good luck to that London team in the free agent market. Playing devil's advocate, hasn't the Premier League accomplished the same thing without putting the team here? Yeah. Accomplish what same thing? They have millions of American fans. They sell a ton of merchandise. They, They have a TV deal here in America. Yeah, but if they put a team here, would it work? Well, somebody made a good point on the, on the Twitter feed that it would not work because of relegation. I mean, if the first time that American team was relegated, that would be the end of that. Why? Because that'd be like sending the Atlanta Braves down to AAA. Exactly. Yeah. There's. I mean, I think it would be iffy as it is to get support, but now you're telling me, hey, you're not even playing the good teams anymore. You're playing in the championship. That's that's not going to work. 
Uh, Chris in Oxford says, I've said this before, I'll say it again, there's no way logistically you can have a team in London. It won't ever happen. It's a 10-hour flight from New York, two full days of flying out of an NFL week. Wouldn't say won't ever, because if it doesn't happen with the Chargers, the Jaguars will eventually move to London. Somebody will be playing regular season football in London. Well, and and my response ultimately, you know, to Chris's text and whatever other detractors are, there's only one way this is happening. Only one. The only way it's happening is if the NFL owners believe that it will be a profitable venture for them, maybe even a wildly profitable venture venture that will enhance their overall investment. Because, look, you've got some NFL owners who own a team because... They love the idea of owning a team. It's been in the family forever. They're doing it for the community, whatever. But the majority of owners of professional sports teams, maybe for some of them it's an ego play, but you're talking about guys that generally speaking, guys and gals, generally speaking, are billionaires. And if they're not billionaires, they're close, and they look at a professional sports franchise as a diversification of their portfolio. They're not doing it to lose money. And if you look at the way valuations of franchises, whether you're talking NFL, MLB, NBA, MLS, hockey, you know, NHL, whatever it is, nobody has lost money buying a team and then turning around and selling it a decade later. I say nobody. I mean, maybe there's one example, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Even when the NBA, I know it's different, but it's still the same thing. When the NBA made that guy sell the Clippers, he still Donald made $2, $2 billion when he was and, forced to sell his team. In and, shame. and Borky, what did people say? Well, was it Paul the, Allen that bought the team? The value of NBA teams, too, in the Steve last Ballmer. decade is shot up. Yeah, it was Steve Ballmer. When Steve Ballmer paid $2 billion for the Clippers. Everybody wrote, oh, he was overpaying. He was vastly overpaying for that. You know what the valuation of the Clippers is now? I would guess double. Like No, not billion. double. You can't possibly overpay for an NBA or an NFL team in this day and age. It's just not really possible. It's going to make money one way or another. Yeah. I mean, is, assuming you can afford to run it. I hope this London thing happens. Can you imagine like a the season type deal of Phil Rivers just roaming around London with his 12 kids eating fish and chips and stuff. <laughs> like seeing an NFL team just in London, like day to day life would kind of be hilarious. I would really very much enjoy that. Would it be any different though than an NFL team that's in Boston or Chicago or New York during the season? I would like to see like Greg Williams or Andy Reid spend a significant amount of time over there. <laughs> but, but I mean, I get what you're saying. But where do you see Andy Reid during the season other than on a field? Nowhere. The only place he is is at the facility. Because all they do is football. He's not out doing charity events and hanging with his wife and kids during the week. Okay, how about a pub with his Hawaiian that has a logo of himself on it? In the off-season or during the year? I don't know, bye week Okay. They got it. I mean, Maybe. they're they're humans. They got, they eat food and like presumably go to the bathroom and stuff. Like I imagine they'll venture out presumably some, go to yeah, the bathroom at some point i've never Maybe been so. to london but i mean out, out, outside of the history and the old buildings isn't it a pretty commercialized place so i mean 
it's a big city. The lifestyle wouldn't be much different other than the accents and the food than what you have in big cities here, right? It's a really expensive city in which to live. Rivers would have a better commute than he does now. <laughs> he, have you seen that van he takes? Does he still go back and forth from San Diego? Yeah, to... and he has a driver, and he it's like, you know. Studies film in the van. Is it one of those Sprinter vans? Yeah. Um, they gutted it I mean, it I imagine completely. for him it's just practical because, you know, Rivers' family trip is a four-row four cedar type deal. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so games coming up this weekend. Let's just stick with the NFL thing for a second. Right now, the playoff teams that you would have in the AFC, everybody's played eight or nine games at this point. New England, who's eight and one, they got to buy this week. Then they go to Philly. Baltimore's at six and two. Houston's at six and three. Kansas City's at six and three. Buffalo and Indianapolis currently would be the wild card teams in the AFC. On the NFC side of things, only undefeated team in the NFL: San Francisco. Then the Saints at seven and one. Green Bay at seven and two. Dallas at five and three. The two wild card teams. Would be Seattle and Minnesota. Obviously, we got a lot of time to go in the regular season. So, games with direct playoff implications this weekend? Chargers at Raiders on Thursday night. Raiders right now one game out of a wild card spot in the AFC. Derek Carr probably having the best year of his career. And a lot of there's been a lot of talk about them moving him when they move to Vegas because he doesn't sell tickets in a new city. But, I mean, how can you with the way he's playing right now? Bills at Browns. Browns are a dumpster fire under Freddie Kitchens right now. They're the worst coach team in the NFL. It's not even close. What they do every week offensively is mystifying. Like, have you ever, like, watched... For whatever reason, I've watched, like, what, I guess... They've been prime time twice and probably four full Browns games. It's awful. Chiefs at Titans. Currently, the Chiefs would be the fourth team out of the AFC, and the Titans are a couple of games out of a playoff spot, but within shouting distance. As they perennially are. Panthers at the Packers. You get the Cam Newton news earlier. In which you go, okay, Cam Newton not available for the rest of the year. Maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. And the Packers coming off a loss. Rams at Steelers. Rams right now, first team out of a wild card spot in the NFC. Kind of hanging on by a thread, too. I mean, they're going to go from a, a touchdown loss in the Super Bowl to potentially missing the playoffs. One of those teams in that division is pretending and not going to end up in the playoffs. I would still tend to maybe lean at Seattle, but Rams didn't do themselves any favors by losing up there, but still a long way to go. I think L.A. is probably a little better than Seattle is. Vikings at Cowboys. Currently, Dallas would be the number 4 team out of the NFC. The Vikings are currently the second wild card team. And the Vikings right now, to me, remain the most mystifying team in the NFL. Well, this is like the Mendoza line as far as quarterbacks you can or can't win a Super Bowl with, right? Kirk Cousins? I mean, you're 
teetering right on the edge there with Cousins and Prescott. Prescott's probably on the correct side of the line that, yes, you can, and Cousins right now at least appears to be the first one on the wrong side. And then Monday night football. We've been waiting for it since week one, right? In week one, you had Houston Texans at Saints, and it delivered big, 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 big time. And it's been a whole lot of junk since then. This Monday night, you get Seahawks at 49ers. That is eye candy on Monday night. Oh, yeah. Seahawks currently the first wild card team in the NFC side. And obviously San Francisco sitting at number one overall in the NFC at 8-0. I know he does this to some degree every week, but that's going to, if the Seahawks even have a prayer, that's going to have to be like a Russell Wilson, hey, remember I'm MVP, I'm really good type of game, because I don't think Seattle's defense is stopping San Francisco. Is anybody at this point still sleeping on San Francisco? No. If you are, you're not paying attention. That's got to be it. Yeah, they're good. They're good on both sides of the ball, right, Hey, Deb? Yeah. They're good. I don't know that they're elite, uh, one of the top. They're a top Oh, they're not as good as the Saints, right? They're not as good as the Saints. They're not as good as the Saints. We'll find out soon. Yeah. We will. We certainly will. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Basketball season starts tonight, and I am here for it. I thought it started mid-October. College basketball season. All right, NBA guys, that's fine. I'm, I'm not knocking the NBA. I, I like college basketball. I love college too. basketball. Though. The, the Pelicans haven't started their season yet, so it, you know we'll get there eventually. One and six say what? Yeah. The Warriors elected not to either. Those young yeah. guys will turn it around any day now. Brandon I, Ingram sure. dropped 40 last night. So, especially yeah. when Anthony Davis is going to go to Chicago in free agency after one year, probably oh, should have held on to that guy. Yeah, I'm not worried. The about look that. of disgust on Richard's face as you guys hijacked this into an NBA thing after I planted the seed is really just something to behold at the moment. <laughs> Y'all can't see it, but I can. Hey, Dad, I was just going to say, remember when Borky told you that uh, all you did was mortgage the future of the franchise with uh, the yeah. Los Angeles Lakers while yeah. the uh, Pelicans made all the right moves? They did. That is still true. What's your true. take on the improved Phoenix Suns, Richard? I told you I liked where the Suns were headed this year. You did. Devin we Booker's did a David boss. On. Yeah, you disagreed with it. You didn't think the roster had anything good on it. I don't remember that. I do. It was opening night, and it was Sam, Sacramento against um, Phoenix. And I was like, hey, that one could be a lot of fun. Like, Maybe for Sacramento, Phoenix is garbage. They've been a lot better. Who might have been better, smarter about that? You. Ugh. College basketball starts tonight, and I am here for it. Um. All right, let's go big picture SEC stuff for a second. What do you guys think? The league this year. Have you looked enough to care or have thoughts? I think the uh, the silence things. is deafening. I said something. I was saying I know. something. Go ahead, I, did. Go I ahead. think you've got you've got three or four teams that are as good as you know are, are going to be a, a, a real championship contenders. I'm not talking about I'm talking national title, and then you've got maybe five or six more teams 
that are good enough to get in the tournament. And then it's sort of like in football this year. The bottom is going to be really, really bad. I think I disagree with you. Who besides, okay. Yeah, who besides Vanderbilt? I don't think Texas A&M is going to be very good. I'm not sure about Missouri. Ooh, I think Missouri's going to surprise some people. I just don't know if Conzo, and, and, and you know what, whatever with regard to his name and how you pronounce it, Conzo really likes this team. Okay, I got some guys coming back. And no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying you can't have that opinion. I'm just saying I don't agree with you on that front. Um, and we're certain that Vanderbilt's not going to be any good. I'll get back to that. you next week. I'll see them Monday night. It's like one of those things where nobody actually knows enough about SEC hoops in preseason to where, like, you know, in Ole Miss was projected last last year. I imagine the team in 2017 projected last was it didn't finish last because, you know, Ole Miss did. Like, to me, it's can Auburn and Tennessee kind of keep up with Kentucky and Florida towards the top of the league that actually vie for a league title? I would think, I would think Auburn can. I don't really know what Tennessee is this year. I can't wait to see more from Auburn because everybody's got Auburn projected way up here, top four in the SEC. And I'm looking at what Auburn lost from a Final Four team a year ago. And I know they've recruited well, but they haven't recruited Kentucky well. And everybody's just kind of penciling them back in. They lose Jared Harper. They lose Bryce Brown. They lose Chuma Okiki to that devastating injury in the NCAA tournament. They, I mean, their number one returning guy is Dangel Purifoy. And, and of course, Austin Wiley's back. Samir Doty. He's a good player. Is he a great player? We'll see. I, 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 I just say that because Auburn is one of those teams that, that I want to see more from. I think they'll be good at home because they have developed an unbelievable home court advantage. Just spectacular. LSU is going to be really good. Big picture question. Okay. SEC and beyond in college basketball, really, as the season starts tonight, the conversation all of last season was FBI. Is that cloud gone? Yeah. I, I hadn't even thought about it until you mentioned it. I'm, I'm not being facetious. Because I mean, Will Wade's still going to be coaching, presumably still going to be coaching this week. With a S-eating grin all over his face the entire year. It's going to uh, be awesome. He's back. That smug smirk that he kind of has naturally, Yeah, it's going to be great stuff. Um, LSU's going to be good. Kentucky's going to be good. People are high on Florida. Florida is going to be really good. They're probably the best team in the league. I'm probably picking Florida win, to win the league this year. I well, mean, we start tonight. Do it year. now. What would your order of finish be? Just top five or so. Fourteen would be miserable, especially on the spot. Yeah, um, Florida one, LSU, Kentucky, interchangeable at two, three. Yeah. Um. Ooh, Auburn, Tennessee. I guess Auburn, Tennessee interchange. I'd say, mm, let me do this: Auburn, Tennessee, 
Ole Miss, Mississippi State interchangeable at four, five, six, seven. Ooh, you like the two teams here then? South Carolina eight, mm. Alabama nine, Arkansas ten. Yeah. I mean, if I'm doing the interchangeable thing, I'm going South Carolina, Arkansas, Alabama, and Missouri in that next group at seven, eight, nine, or eight, nine, ten, eleven. Which NCAA tournament? And I know a lot of people love Anthony Edwards because he's the freshman on this Georgia team and they got some pieces coming back. They were 2-16 and 16 in the league and 11-21 and 21 a year ago. But that's the Ole Miss's team of this year. If like That would be the likely candidate, would it not? I would say Missouri is the Ole Miss team of, last, of this year, from last year. They went 5-13 and 13 in the league, 15-17 and 17 overall, and they're picked at basically the bottom of the league this year. You think Missouri's likely to take more more likely to take a jump than Kareen and all of that influx of talent? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm asking because I don't I know if I have an answer either way. <sighs> Vanderbilt 14, Texas A&M 13. I, I'm not ignoring. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I, I mean... I don't know. Well, I mean, both can be Man, true. And they quit on him at Georgia last year. But the, largely the people that quit on them are no longer there, correct? I mean, he signed a huge class. He only needs seven dudes. Hey, what was that? Pearl's team two years ago? Remember when they made all that noise and then they who did they lose in the middle that killed them down the stretch where they were just a lame duck when they got in the tournament? Mustafa Heron? Yeah, but that they played seven guys and really kind of six and a half and were just torching people. Yeah. It's a good point. When when could you have debated this though in recent years in the SEC? I mean the last three years the last two years going into this season, so this three year window. And man, the coaches. I mean think think about this list of coaches. But whatever you think about Will Wade, he's obviously getting players. Rick Barnes, Cal, Bruce Pearl, Frank Martin, Ben Howland, Kermit Davis. Mike White, Musselman, Nate Oates, Buzz Williams, Conzo, Tom Crean, and Jerry Stackhouse. I don't recognize that Conzo name, but the way to really put it in perspective is as good as the league was. Hold, hold on. Hey, Dad would say it's Kwanzaa Martin. Is that right? Martin. Hey, Dad. It, Martin is the last name, I thought. Martin. Kwanzaa Martin. Uh, he's French. Um, But... I mean, you had as good as the league was last year, and then you added Buzz Williams, you added Eric Musselman, and you added Nate Oates, who I think stepped into a really good situation at Buffalo, so I'm interested to see if he can actually coach. I'm not saying he can't, but... And Jerry Stackhouse is the complete unknown. Yeah. How many I mean, Elite say... Eights are there? How many of those coaches have been to an Elite Eight or Final Four? Tennessee. Uh, so Rick Barnes, John Calipari, Bruce Pearl. Mike White. Mike Hold White. On. Ben Bruce Howell. Pearl, Frank Martin, Ben Howland, Mike White. You say Bruce Pearl? I did. Has Buzz gotten a team to the Elite Eight? I think Buzz dies in the Sweet 16. Conzo's gotten a team to the Sweet 16. Uh, Buzz Tom Williams Green? does die in the Sweet 16. Been there three times. No, he has an Elite Eight. He with has Marquette one in, in 2013. And if you're going Sweet 16 coaches? It's like almost all of them. It's literally 
12 of 14, isn't it? Who are the two that have it? Stackhouse and... Uh, Stackhouse and Will Wade. Yeah. Will Wade might have gotten to the Final Four last year. Well, Kermit Davis, right? He got to the Sweet 16 at Middle Tennessee. Didn't he? Didn't they win two games in the tournament? Uh, they won one in back-to-back years. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. All right, how many teams from the SEC make the NCAA tournament this year? Borky, you got your, you're recording this? This is being recorded. Good. Hey, Dad, how many NCAA tournament teams this year? Eight. Rippy? Nine. Borky? Seven. Actually, I so desperately want to say ten. Don't you think there's going to be an element of eating their own in this case? Maybe. I just would love to know what the non-conference results are going into SEC play. Because if, if I feel like if I could know those results, then you'd know what the Nets were going to look like going into the league. Because if you made me say, hey, who, who's in the tournament today? I'd say LSU. I'm just looking at last year's standings. LSU, yes. Tennessee, yes. Kentucky, yes. Auburn, yes. South Carolina, yes. Mississippi State, yes. Ole Miss, yes. Florida, yes. That's eight. Mm. I'll go nine. You guys got me wondering about Georgia. Which team in that group is most likely to miss? Out of those nine? Yeah. Did you include Alabama? I did not. I mean, so so I was at nine, and then I would, you know, if you want to tell me that some combination of Alabama, Missouri, Georgia, one of those three gets in, I'm not sold on Arkansas this year either. I know a lot of people kind of like where I, th- I think I like where it's probably headed. I just don't think it's headed there yet. Doing a lot of new drills in practice, string drills and rope drills and whatnot. That's what Trey told us last week. He did. Mm. Chance for this to be the most fun SEC season that you've had in a while. And potentially frustrating. How so? If you're a fan, I mean. Frustrating for Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans who potentially have teams that are good enough to make the NCAA tournament, but every single night with new faces on both rosters, you play a team that has NBA talent and is coached by a really good coach. There's just no breaks on your schedule. So in other words, it looks like the ACC? Pretty much, yeah. But Or the Big Ten. This might be a dumb question, but is the ACC a better league overall than the SEC going into this year on paper? I <sighs> I just haven't studied the ACC as much. And I haven't studied the Big Ten as much. I know Michigan State's the number one team in the country. Obviously, Duke and Carolina are going to be good. I get it. 
Here, this almost sounds, you know, whatever. It's not a PSA, hey dad. Okay. But if you're if you're thinking, I don't know, do I want to be part of basketball or not? Do I want to do I want to invest in and go to basketball games? College basketball is a sport where fans make a difference. Can make a difference. Oh, Miss was an example of that last year. A huge example of that. The pavilion turned into a really good home court advantage for Ole Miss. And they had two games at the end of the year where they really could have in one of them you could argue should have won against Kentucky and Tennessee when they were drastically outmanned. And if that game's played on the road or on a in an empty gym, they lose them by twenty each. Yeah. Like, you know, flickering lights in the tad pad, that's probably twenty ish points. So I mean, Cal loves I, schmoozing everybody, but he mentioned that three or four times throughout his yeah. rambling press conference a season ago, along with the squirrel. The the pavilion has it's kind of gotten it, and well, I think the crowds are going to be really, really good. And I think once they get to conference play, and and students are back for that, assuming that Ole Miss that that it's kind of like a about to turn into a tough ticket. The Auburn game last year was kind of the first signature moment that wasn't like a novelty ribbon cutting type of deal. It's a good point. That was kind of it. Hey, Dad. You've been there. I've been there. Humphrey Coliseum, when it's full, like legit full, and state fans are into it, mm-hmm. it's as hard a place to play as there is in the SEC. I've been to all 14 venues. It doesn't even have to be super full. What are the Michigan State Yeah, yeah, yeah but hold ago? on. No, 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 no. Don't cut anybody slack. Okay. I'm saying fill the freaking place up. There was an NCAA tournament team that's projected to be an NCAA tournament team again. Stop telling me, well, because we go to women's basketball, we can't go to men's basketball. That's crap. I've seen that place full night in, night out, and when that place is full, it is hard to win if you're not wearing a maroon or white jersey. Do you care about winning or not? Stop giving lip service to it. If you care, show up. Period. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online, supertalk.fm, 5 o'clock hour on this Tuesday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. If you're a farmer in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs, need to buy a new piece of property, get an equipment loan, get a production loan, or maybe it's refinance an existing loan, give them a call. Great people to do business with. They understand the farming industry. They understand the land financing business. They've been doing it for over 100 years. Check them out online. Find a branch location near you. Grab the phone number. Whatever it is got to do. If you got to send a carrier pigeon to their office with a note that says, give me a call, they'll do it. Because they want to work with you. They want to be your partners in land financing. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Tonight, college football playoff rankings come out. First time in 2019. The very first edition of the college football playoff rankings. Notre Dame, number 10. This was in 2014. 
Kansas State, number nine. Michigan State, eight. TCU, seven. Alabama, six. Oregon, five. Just for you, Rippy. Thanks. Ole Miss, four. Auburn, three. Florida State, two. Mississippi State, one. I will remember you. Hmm. The uh, the final rankings that year, Mississippi State finished seven, so from one to seven. Florida State goes two to three, Auburn three to nineteen, Ole Miss four to nine, Oregon five to two, Alabama started at number six, finished number one, TCU went from seven to six, Michigan State finished the year at number eight, K State went from number nine to number eleven, and Notre Dame went from number ten to not ranked in the final college football playoff poll. It's fitting. What? Notre Dame? Yeah. Um, let's see. I've only got four years worth of data here. So you had one team that went from ranked in the top ten to not ranked in the final edition. That was Notre Dame in 2014. Did not happen in 2015. The biggest drop was LSU from number two to number 20. In 2016, you had two that were in the initial top ten. Texas A&M debuted at number four. Hey, Dad, if I'm remembering correctly, in 2016, they followed that initial debut up with a loss to Mississippi State and then a loss to Ole Miss and finished the year not ranked. Does that sound correct? That is, that is correct. And then in uh, 2016, also you had Nebraska debut at number 10, finished not ranked. Everybody in 2017 that was ranked in the top 10 finished ranked uh, at least in the top 15. So Biggest drop was, once again, Notre Dame, number 3 to number 14, 11 spots. So... College football playoff rankings come out tonight between games one and two of the Champions Classic. Game one between Duke and Kansas. Game two between number one, Michigan State, and number two, Kentucky. Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. They're really good. Whether it's work or play, they will take care of you. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Get great savings on a 2019 F-150 and uh, great financing rates as well. All right, Power 5 coaching hires from the year 2018. So programs that hired a head coach prior to last season. Here are the names. Dan Mullen, Mario Cristobal, Jimbo Fisher, Herm Edwards, Joe Moorhead, Willie Taggart, Jeremy Pruitt, Kevin Sumlin, Scott Frost, Chip Kelly, Jonathan Smith, and Chad Morris. Out of that group, who had the biggest set of fan expectations to live up to after being hired? 
That's Willie Taggart. Was it Willie Taggart at Florida State or Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M? Ooh. You would think that most A&M people realize that we weren't winning a national championship in a year. Okay. Whereas Florida State people expected them to be nationally competitive from day one. Or am I off on the A&M side of that? Why would Florida? Why should Florida State fans have thought that? Irrationality. Well, well, yeah, but looking at the product that was on the field in Jimbo's final season, yeah, but they just wrote that off as he he had checked out mentally, and now that Taggart's back in, we'll be right back on the same level that we were. Okay. You know what those teams or those coaches have done record wise since being hired? Best record, Dan Mullen, seventeen and five. He was also the best hire of the group, wasn't he? Uh you can make a case that based on a resume, Chip Kelly was the, the best hire. Do you mean on the day that he was hired, Borky, or with a year and a half worth of hindsight? On the day that he was hired, because maybe we didn't look at Jimbo's last year. I I know he won a national championship. Dan Mullen didn't. Florida State and Mississippi State are two very different jobs. But Dan Mullen left behind a program that was in great shape. Something was wrong at Florida State, and that's why Jimbo left. And as it turns out, there was something really wrong. So Florida hiring away Dan Mullen, who had a good program, had stability, would have won a bunch of games last season if he would have stayed, couldn't you view that as a better hire than Texas A&M hiring Jimbo Fisher away from a dumpster fire that he created himself? Like I said, I think on the the day of the hire, I think Chip Kelly was the best hire. You know, that's an interesting way to look at this. And if you think back, so, you know, we're having to rewind to, what, December of 17 to when these hires were made. Dan Mullen was considered to be a good, solid hire for Florida. Some people were like, oh, that's a great hire. Some people were like, oh, that should be good. There were kind of, eh, reviews for Mario Cristobal at Oregon. He's gone 15-7. and seven. Jimbo Fisher was universally lauded. 10-year, $75 million contract worth every penny. 15 and 7. Chip Kelly, I mean, Dan Mullen was the second option. Like at, they, they, at least the second option. They settled for him. He was, he was I'm, probably I'm just the third thinking option. Back I think to, they wanted Scott Frost more. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not like, I'm just throwing that out there as just like, wow, yeah. how things have changed perception wise in a couple of years. You remember the reaction to Herm Edwards being hired at Arizona State? Yeah. Okay. That's not fair, though, completely, because I thought that was just, it, that's great that it worked, but it's still a little justified. Do you remember trying to read through that bizarre press release? Absolutely. And all of that. It's like, but he's going 12 and 9. What are they doing? What are they talking about? Yeah, but I had this conversation with someone the other day. Isn't there a difference between a good hire or a bad hire and a miss? Like, we were talking about this the other day. Like, I had someone, we were debating whether Moorhead was a good or a bad hire. Like, at the time, good hire, like, really sound right. process, offensive mind. But, and I'm not saying he's a miss yet, but so far it's kind of like a miss. I think there's a difference between a bad hire and a miss. Like, and this is probably the inverse bad hire that worked, which I guess turns into a good hire. I don't really know what I'm saying. I'm just thinking. No, I think that makes perfect sense. 
Yeah, I think that I think there's a big difference between a bad hire and a miss, or a good hire and a hit. Like, like Chip Kelly at UCLA, on paper, excellent hire. But so far, it's been a miss. It just hasn't worked for whatever reason. But that was a really good hire at the time. Herm seems like a good dude. I'm glad they're doing well. But to me, that's every bit as bizarre as it was two years ago. Joe Moorhead at 12 and 10. Willie Taggart, 9 and 12. One game worse than Joe Moorhead. Fired. Jeremy Pruitt, 9 and 12. Three weeks ago, looked like he was going to be fired. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like he's building. Kevin Sumlin at Arizona, 9 and 12. Very average last year. Bad start to the year. Got on a little bit of a run. Now they look very average once again. But you guys think Scott he's Frost, be there in 2024. Say what? You guys think he's going to be there in 2024. I think mm-hmm. Frost is indicative of Nebraska never happening again and not his coaching. Scott Frost, 8 and 13. Chip Kelly, 7 and 14. Jonathan Smith, 6 and 14. Chad Morris, ugh, 4 <laughs> and 17. He was at Clemson once, though. 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi, don't forget it's election day. You have one hour and 39 minutes still to vote. Told you at the beginning of the show, we'll remind you again, you don't have to vote by 7 o'clock. You have to be in line to vote by 7 o'clock. It's not too late if you don't know where you're supposed to go. Just go to some polling location and give them your name, and if you're not in the right spot, they will direct you to the right place. Got a chance today uh, big day in the state of mississippi um thanks for being with us sports talk brought to you every day by mississippi land bank you can get up to the minute results from across the state tonight uh, during super talk mississippi's 2019 election special coverage starting at 7 p.m you'll hear results from news mississippi plus analysis and discussion from guests across the political spectrum you can hear the election coverage on your local Super Talk station, supertalk.fm. You can watch the coverage online at supertalktv.com. Election night coverage is presented by Ingalls Shipbuilding in Pascagoula. Ingalls Shipbuilding is the largest industrial employer in the state, and they're currently hiring to learn more about career opportunities at Ingalls. Visit them at buildyourcareer.com. And uh, one last thing, if you're in central Mississippi and you want to party tonight, you can uh, check out McLean's Resort in Brandon for their election night watch party. Watch the election coverage live from a huge jumbo trance, the up-to-the-minute election results, special appetizers and food, along with signature patriotic drinks provided from their tavern, the election night watch party, McLean's Resort on Hollybush, uh, Hollybush Road in Brandon. Forky, are you part of the Super Talk team that will be there for that tonight? You signing autographs there? <laughs> yeah, uh, like anybody would want that. Um no, I will not be there. Just uh, still too early with the little one to uh, leave him for an extended period of time with anybody that's not us. Uh, he's had a fussy couple of days, too. He's been kind of uh, kind of a handful. So, no, we won't be going tonight. But that place is kind of cool. You can, like, pet zebras and stuff there. Maybe your kid doesn't like your attitude. Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe your kid would like to pet a zebra. He's just now learning to grab, which is uh, causing you know the whole diaper and clothes change. Put a new wrinkle into that. Yeah, you having fun with that? It's actually not that bad. I mean, 
And they're not. You, you just got Rippy chuckling. <laughs> I was going to say the kid could do the Mike Francesa defense and just deny it happened. There's nothing going on in here. <laughs> Did y'all see that today? I saw it, yeah. Once you showed me, yes. He forgot that the most my important morning. rule of that. He who denies it supplies it. I mean, he apparently he spent 25 minutes of his show denying that it happened very clearly on tape. Oh, it happened. <sighs> I kind of admire that, though. I mean, that's why he became who he is, right? It, just BSing all day on the radio. Deny, 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 deny. Hey, um, <laughs> all right, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Going to give you a chance to win. Uh, we told you a little bit about the Max and Meridian. When it comes to arts and inter- entertainment, Mississippi is a land of legends. All of those legends are now showcased in one place. It's the uh, Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience, better known as the Max in Meridian. It's also the best place to find Mississippi-made products like artwork and books. Go to msarts.org to learn more about the Max, and we will give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Max in Meridian. Here you go. Text your answer to the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Here's the question. Popular country singer Charlie Pride played baseball in the Negro League for several years. During one season, Charlie Pride and another player were traded from the Louisville Clippers to the Birmingham Black Barons for what in return? Charlie Pride and another player traded from the Louisville Clippers to the Birmingham Barons for what in return? Text your answer to the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, and Borky will make sure that you get a pair of tickets to visit the Max in Meridian. You guys know the answer to that? I actually don't know the answer, so I'll... I'll uh... You want to take a shot at it? No, because if I get it right... And I read the email earlier, but I didn't really read the email earlier. So, <laughs> fair enough. Got a winner. That didn't take long. Mike in Oxford. A bus. Robert gives us a little more um, information. Robert from Oak Grove says a used bus that the team needed for travel. I don't know if I have the authority to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody else can sort it out on the backside. That's a pair of tickets for Mike in Oxford and a pair of tickets to Robert in Oak Grove to go to the Max in Meridian. It's like the... Hope I don't get fined for that, Borky. Jackie Moon deal where they trade the guy for the washing machine. (laughs) Jeez. Who got the better end of the trade? I don't know. Monix was pretty good down the stretch. Uh, You want to be a part of the conversation... Join us on the C Spire text line. Hoops tonight. Hoops tonight. Uh, not surprising, by the way. Not talking hoops. Let's talk some football. Um, looks like two is going to play. Days away from the biggest game of the year for Alabama against LSU. The Crimson Tide feels good about the status of their star quarterback. The expectation, according to sources and a story from AL.com, Tua will play against LSU on Saturday and he'll likely look healthier and less limited than what most outsiders are probably expecting. Rehab and recovery has gone exceptionally well for Tonga Bailoa, who is now 16 days removed from undergoing surgery to repair the high ankle sprain he suffered against Tennessee. He's taking part in three practices on a limited basis, including Monday when he was on the field for the media viewing period of practice. Uh, 
Nick Saban, quote, been pretty consistent on the message with Tua. If he can play in the game, it'll be a game-time decision. We'll see where he's at today, and then we'll manage the reps accordingly. What I can, uh, what I say, uh, when I say that, we cannot predict. If he goes out there today and he looks good, then his rep count is going to go up, and we'll prepare for uh, him as if he's going to have an opportunity to play in the game. He has a setback during the week. You can't really control that, but that would change the plan. It's actually a fairly forthcoming answer from Nick Saban. Yeah, and there's not much else he can say really when there's video of him at practice looking fine. So, you know, what's he going to do? Nick at least he Saban, didn't call it a lower body. Yeah. For for all the reputation that Nick Saban has for being hard on the media, he's not one that's ridiculous about injuries. Like he may not really want to talk about them a lot, but he'll generally kind of tell you what's going on. Yeah. Um, the post-football career Nick Saban is going to be somebody that a lot of people don't recognize. If you've ever seen him like in his comfort zone, there's like videos on YouTube. I think it's Marty Smith or one of those people that hung out with him at his lake house. Yeah. It's an interesting and charismatic and funny guy. He's really smart, for one. Um... An exceptionally hard worker. Do you think there is a post football career for Nick Saban? Or do you think when he shuts it down, he is going to disappear? He kind of strikes me as the ride off into the sunset to never be heard from again guy. Just doesn't seem to me like he would thirst for a television camera to be on ESPN on college game day every Saturday or something like that. No, I agree with that. I also think he would be really good if he chose to do so. The best. LSU getting six and a half in Tuscaloosa. Did you see they had to open the stadium gates an extra hour to make sure that everybody gets in for basically presidential security? Oh, that's right, because Trump's going to uh, he's going to LSU Alabama on Saturday. Bet they regret not selling beer now. You won't be able to sneak anything into that stadium. Be the what, most sober um, Alabama LSU game ever. What do you think the reception for the president will be in that environment? Largely, almost universally positive. They yeah, might even put him on the positive. video board just to have, you know how they just add extra jolts into the stadium? That would be an opportunity for them to do it. He would be really well received. I agree. Yes, President Trump choosing a football game to attend in person chose the right one. He might be a Bama guy. He did the national championship two years ago. And they won. Yeah. I just Boy, if it were Auburn, you would talk about improving the pregame deal. Have the eagle land on Trump. What if he stood (laughs) at midfield with his arm extended? Oh, man, that would be something. (sighs) (laughs) Or did you mean like land on his head? No, no, no. He can have the thing. He didn't have to land on his head. It might mess up the hair. Can't have that. (laughs) I got plenty of these ideas. I agree with you, by the way. His reception will be overwhelmingly uh, positive in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, it's strategic. 
Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance. On a Tuesday afternoon, election day in the state of Mississippi. So Alabama's favorite at home over LSU. Florida's a big favorite at home over Vanderbilt, 26. Arkansas favored by 2.5 against Western Kentucky. Ole Miss a 28.5 point favorite against New Mexico State. Georgia, 17 point favorite at home against Missouri. South Carolina favorite against Appalachian State. And Tennessee favored, but not by much at Kentucky. Tennessee. Wait, that's not right, is it, Borky? Isn't Kentucky favored? That was the line I saw this morning. Okay. It's been massive movement. All right. Fair enough. Election coverage on Super Talk Mississippi starts tonight at 7 o'clock. JT joins us. What's up, JT? What's happening, fellas? Hey, i got to be honest with you. I'm a little jealous of you tonight. I listened to some of the uh, election coverage for, I guess it was the primaries, not right. the runoff, but the primaries. Right. It's kind of a high energy, a lot going on deal. That's fun. Well, it 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 can be. It, it, you know, we started seven, and it's going to be a lot of conjecture, a lot of projections, a lot of different things. We've got two great guests that'll be here with me, Henry Barber, along with Sid Salter, who will uh, help uh, me with some of the you know kind of a different look. And I'm sort of like the play by play guy. You get it in this thing, and uh, I've got the sideline guy, I got a color guy here, and they're going to kind of analyze what we see. Do we start seeing some returns come in, and 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 then it'll kind of go on into the evening. We're going to have some uh, different people with uh, TeleSouth and Supertalk uh, all out through the areas uh, and through the different campaigns and parties that are going on. And, and, uh, and then, of course, says it'll go into the evening. Dave Hughes will take over on the second part of it for us, as uh, obviously we'll be back tomorrow to analyze it and do those different types of things. But, yeah, you know, uh, Richard, you talk about it. I know you don't do a lot of politics on Sports Talk, sort of like NASCAR. I get it. But uh, <laughs> wait, politics and NASCAR are not the same thing on sports. I just, JT, you can come on our podcast anytime and do a NASCAR corner. I, I would love to, to ask a bunch of dumb questions. I just about had it. to give you guys a little shot in there. I'm sorry. Come on, man. Uh, by the way, there's two races left, and it's a heck of a little deal going down to the championship. But that's a whole other story. But uh, hey, is, hey, so will you join Rippy on his podcast to talk NASCAR? I will. I will write down six incredibly dumb questions that you'll have to answer. Hey, just to get back with me off the air, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'll be happy to do it for you sounds good okay yeah yeah because i believe it or not a lot of people here do do care for it i do guys i'm just a race guy i love i'll watch i'll watch horses race you know i mean just like racing but anyway making a story short uh very important election i think the governor's race is going to be very tight i think there's a very good possibility with the turnout that we've seen today and what we're hearing that uh, we may not know who the governor is until january and i well, know you go what do you mean well it could very well get thrown to the House of Representatives to be decided like it was, I believe, what was it, 2000, and well, let me give you the date, I think it was 2001, when Mike Parker and Ronnie Musgrove ran against each other, and uh, they basically tied the House districts, well, uh, and went in there, and a lot of people voted against their district and went ahead and voted with the majority of the House that gave Ronnie Musgrove the seat against Mike Parker. And if that were to happen again, that would be the case. Obviously, if it were to go to the House, I believe that Tate Reeves would win because of the supermajority that they have with the Republican-held House. Jim Hood has said he will not challenge it if it does go to the House. We'll see, but I think it's a real good possibility. I don't don't think we're going to wake up in the morning and know exactly who our governor is unless uh, unless it's a big big turnout one way or the other. I've, I've talked to some local people 
and obviously we're in Lafayette County, but everybody's saying that turnout has been really big today. Is that the report from all over the state, yes. or is that just a North Mississippi? No, no, no. Yes, and it's big. I mean, obviously, and 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 I'm just telling, calling it like I see it here. I'm the play-by-play guy tonight. Lafayette County is going to be strong for Jim Hood. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They're they're going to be strong for Jim Hood. I think they're turning out for him, probably for Jay as well. But then again, record turnout, I think massive turnouts in Madison County, Rankin County, uh, which are going to be some, some pretty good areas. The coast has seen massive turnout. They expect the governor, or rather lieutenant governor, to do very well down there, as he did in the primary. And then, of course, we're going to see what the Trump bump did for uh, Tate Reeves and the Republicans with the, the, the uh, president coming in on Friday trying to solidify that area. Trump carried a lot of districts up in North Mississippi, and those were a lot of districts that Jim Hood has traditionally carried that Trump carried. So we're going to see how that effect does, what the effect of Trump coming in, Vice President Pence coming in. Obviously, Sonny Perdue, the Ag Secretary, did that on Thursday before the president came in. Uh, there, You know, not just here in Mississippi, JT, but nationally, uh, there's a lot of people with eyeballs on Mississippi tonight. And, and, and you, okay, you just said exactly where I was going to go. It feels like, generally speaking, with state elections in Mississippi, there's not a lot of national attention. But you've gotten a presidential visit, a vice presidential visit, a reported robocall from... Uh, a former president in Barack Obama. It's not. Uh, it's not reported. It's real. I got it. Well, I mean, I've heard it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I had a buddy that sent it to me earlier today. Yeah. It's real. The national attention on this is different than what we've seen in recent years, or maybe even recent decades, with state elections in Mississippi. Well, I think it's Trump. I, I really do. I think it's Trump. I think uh, you know you, you didn't. You don't normally see presidents jumping in on these races, but he knows how important it is. Uh, for Republicans. And, and again, I'm calling it as a play-by-play here right now, but that is exactly what we're looking at. The president knows that this is important because, listen, Richard and uh, uh, Richard and Rippey is hey dad here too for the rest of y'all. I mean, Mississippi's considered the most conservative state in the nation. Uh, we're considered one of the reddest states in the nation, and that's why all eyeballs are on it. And the fact that the president and the vice president have come here have kind of compounded that, you know, uh, making it a little bit more of uh, an attention, a little bit more of a uh, a little bit more of a, uh, a shininess on this thing. And uh, that's why a lot of people are looking at it. And you go back, you look at the Democrat money. I mean, there was a lot of Democrat money that was put in here, obviously with the President Barack Obama calling in endorsing Jim Hood yesterday. Uh, Hillary Clinton tweeting out for him earlier today. So, you know, take it for what it is. There's a lot of people watching this race tonight. It's really fascinating. And uh, look, I, I don't know how you, I mean, I think you and I feel the same way about this. I'm really, really encouraged that turnout is larger than it has been expected. Sure. Re- sure. Regardless of how it turns out, the fact that more Mississippians are engaged in this particular election cycle than in recent cycles. I'm, I'm proud of that. Well, it's a big race. Uh, it is a big race, and you know, um, I, you know, I kind of have to turn off the JT show and really be a little more different here. Now, I won't be a lot different, but you know, it, it, you go back and you're basically taking the achievements of the Republicans and what they've been able to do in the House and the Senate with control of that and with Governor Phil Bryant. Uh, there could we've done better sure but we've made some great strides unemployment's as low as it's ever been we got some of the best news we've gotten in education in probably 25 years where we're leading the nation in improvement in scores our school district ratings have come up 
uh, our reading and our math are, are getting better. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And, and as I said, yeah. unemployment record lows. So they've made some improvement. Uh, the rainy day fund is full. Uh, they're going to do more. They're going to try to do more to fund teacher pay raises and do some different things like that and continue on. Uh, you know, Democrats trying to make something different out of it, trying to downplay the accomplishments that they've had and continue to say, well, Mississippi's last. And, well, we've always been last. We were last when the Democrats were in control. We were last when the Republicans were in control. And we still are now. But we are trying to come up off the bottom, and we're doing it in certain areas. And it's just good old-fashioned politics. It's just back and forth, and we'll see how the people of Mississippi, what they decide today, and uh, what they decide is is what we'll live with for the next four years. Um, I really expect the only race I really see being competitive is the governor's race. I think Republicans wipe the board down below that uh, question mark on the on the governor's race. And the reason, only reason why I give it a question mark is because I don't know if we'll know who the governor is tonight. I was about to ask that. What governor's result draws the most na- attention from national media, Mark? Like, which result and how you arrive to it would have, like, make an actual ripple wave nationally? Well, you know, with the lawsuit, they're trying to go back. Our Constitution set up in 1890 basically says if you don't win the popular vote, it goes to the House. They've called it a Jim Crow era this, and it's racist, racial. And so well, nobody was saying that when Musgrove took advantage of it over Parker. It's because of where we are in the climate that we live in right now, and I think you'll see if that so, does go just, to the House. So just for clarification, because yes. not necessarily all the listeners are cross, crossover listeners to your show or Paul's sure, show. Sure, sure, sure. There is a scenario where Jim Hood could win the popular vote but not win the governorship. Is that correct? Well, it it goes down to districts. It's a lot like the Electoral College, okay? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? It goes down uh, to to the districts. And basically, if if Reeves nor Hood wins a majority of House districts, regardless of the popular vote, we wait till January to see who the next governor will be. And uh, if one wins the popular vote but the other wins a majority of House districts, the scenario, if it would have him most likely would be Hood with the popular reason of the House District. A court challenge would follow, and uh, it would probably end up back in the House as well. So, JT, give me a percentage chance. As we, you know, we're out of time. Hard break here. Percentage chance that we know who the new governor is by midnight tonight. Percentage chance, 20%. Really? Wow. 25 at best. What about by the time we wake up tomorrow morning? 50-50. Wow. 50-50. Pour your cup of coffee and get ready to stay up really late or get up really early. Thanks, JT. Appreciate you stopping in. All right, man. Next time we'll we'll talk NASCAR. I'll give you the rundown on the championships. Have a good day, guys. Sounds good. Election coverage starts tonight at 7 on Supertalk Mississippi, supertalk.fm, and supertalktv.com. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.